The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Ain't that the truth? Welcome to another episode of the Cellcast. Again, joining me today is a man who's looking a little purple. Welcome, Jacob. <laughs> now, what the heck? It's like why am I purple again? Dila, what did you do this time? What's with the maniacal laughter, Dila? Oh, you don't know, do you? Really? You swear you've done nothing. Right. Why did they torture the... Sure. Sure thing, Dila. You did absolutely nothing. Sure. Well, I had I half expected something like this to happen. Oh, what is it you do now? No. Dealit, somebody mean you're gonna have a really good talk. <laughs> what do you mean I'm a spoil sport? He did nothing to you. Yeah, yeah, let's just move on, shall we? Exactly. Why, thank you. Thankfully, I'm not purple now. And let me introduce our co-host, a man who... Ugh... How to go fly? Use that flying magnet machine in the backyard, didn't he? Welcome, Drew. I wish I had that. Actually, it'd make things a lot easier. Yeah, in some cases, yeah. Depending on how strong it is, you might be able to pick up some stuff to go sell down at the uh, scrapyard, the recycle bin, yeah. whatever you call that. Exactly. Anyway, tonight we are reviewing a movie about the owner of a bunch of little corn pops. Banana. Despicable Me 2. An okay film. Yeah. Okay. We'll get more into that in a second. Exactly. In fact, you want to just go ahead and jump into our spoiler-free thoughts right exactly. quick? Exactly. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. I don't know how many times I actually watched this film, not because I just super enjoyed it, but because it played endlessly in the, t the display TVs at Walmart back when I worked there Fair. around the time this movie came out on home video. Mm -hmm. So probably all the way through, this would be my second viewing, Yeah, but I, some of these jokes I remember seeing a bunch of times. I, I remember thinking that this film was better than the first one. But for the most part, it is still a safe illumination film. There's, It's not pushing boundaries in terms of writing or story. Right. It might be pushing illuminations uh, uh, tech when it comes to particle effects. Right. Because there's a lot of particle effects in this one. Agreed. Many of them brown. Um, so, I mean, there is that. Mm -hmm. But all in all, it's still a safe illumination film very true what are your thoughts uh so this is the first time watching this film i bought the film years ago at a um black friday sale there again i wasn't one of these uploads who went in there at you know midnight had to go buy what i know they've changed things now but still midnight just sounds like you know the thing to say but uh went after went after work Went and bought some went and bought some some Blu-rays like I normally do, 
And it's like, oh, it's Pickle Me Too. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. But uh, so watching this film be like, it's it's not. It is a very paint by numbers kind of story. It's be like you you see everything coming from a mile away or at least five miles. So it's it's a very predictable story. There's no like, oh my gosh, great reveal or this. I didn't see this coming kind of moment. You see everything. Be like, I think I'm more a little cynical now. Be like, or since I've been re- reviewing films for like the past five years here on the podcast, right? And a lot of these plots are overused. Yes, they are. But now you know how I feel in most movies. Yes, thank you. <laughs> because, granted, I'm usually about five. I'm not bragging here. No, believe me, I'm not bragging. I wish I was not like this sometimes. <laughs> but I am usually about five steps ahead of movies. Mm-hmm. So, generally, I'm back here going, "Okay, here comes the good stuff." And Jacob can attest, mm-hmm. I am the guy who's snickering two minutes before the cool thing happens. Yes, agreed. So. It's, so I'm a little, usually a little quicker on the draw. Uh, this movie, I'm on par with everybody else because everybody sees what's coming. Yeah, um, you know, you know. If you saw the trailer, you know what's coming. You know what's coming. So yeah, you want to eat yes. anything else? Yeah. Uh, uh, again, the plot is just very generic. Uh, it's it's got some good character developments. Even though our main character doesn't really grow as a character, mm-hmm. uh, there's still some good points. And again, uh, Illumination being Illumination, they know how to do safe movies. They know how to make money with their product, and uh, they they have a uh, sound, tested, and proven method of making films. That and formula be, and formula. Thank you, formula. That's what we're not looking for. If it doesn't turn me into another purple monster again, it'd be great. But she said, don't test her. All right, fine. I won't test her again. Maybe. Oh, now you're just going to grumble because we're just taking away your fun. Why are you here out of curiosity? You'll f- fine. We'll talk about it later. Oh, bother. Either or. Like, yeah, we folks, we still don't know where Dee came from or why she stopped here. Yeah, still working on it. I mean, we know how. I mean, it was a package, but yeah, exactly. Still don't know why. Yeah, secrets to be reviewed later. At some point, either or. Right. If if uh, we really want to know that, we'll f- we'll find out when we get there. Hmm. So yeah, it is a very serviceable film. It's a fun film. Kids are gonna love it. Uh, adults be like who are observing in films are gonna be like, yeah, this is a cookie cutter film. But it's it's fun. It's a fun film. Yeah, that's my spoiler thought free thoughts. Well, then why don't we go ahead and jump into the spoilers and uh, let's actually start talking about this thing. Yeah. The following is a spoiler filled review for the film Despicable Me 2. Banana! Listener discretion is advised. Not that you won't see half this film coming a mile away. Despicable Me 2 was directed by Pierre Coffin, who directed all the other Despicable Me films, and Chris Renault, who also directed The Secret Life of Pets. It was written by Cinco Paul and Ken Dario. Getting into the cast, we've got Steve Carell as Gru. He also played Michael Scott on The Office. 
no please lord no <laughs> I, I know the memes i've never watched the show oh I, I figured out what you were quoting yeah i was expecting you to say that's what she said but we'll move on yeah Kristen wig was the voice of lucy and would you know what i meant by the looney tune show yes i've heard of it yes this was the sitcom Looney Tunes show that was on Cartoon Network back in the early 2010s, I yeah, believe. Something like that. Uh, it was more sitcom-y than your standard, uh, you know, slapstick that mm-hmm. Looney Tunes is more known for. Mm-hmm. And uh, on in that movie, she played at that TV show. She played Lola Bunny, mm-hmm. and then reprised that role for Space Jam: A New Legacy. She was a little young for the original Space Jam. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Kristen Wiig, what does that name also sound? Sounds really familiar. She was in something else, yeah. uh, Major, and I can't place yeah, it. What, what, what movie was that? Ghostbusters. Um, maybe. Answer the Call. Maybe. She was one of the actresses in that. Oh, right. The movie people don't talk about. Anyway, Benjamin Bratt. Yes. Wait, artsy Steph, you might actually be right. That may have been Zendaya in, as Lola in the new Space Jam. I could That's be wrong right. there. Zendaya. That's right. It was Zendaya. My apologies. Thank you, artsy Steph, for correcting me. I will leave this in. <laughs> Benjamin Bratt was the voice of another. Uh, well, he was the voice of Eduardo Perez. Mm-hmm. Or El Macho, as he will be, as he is revealed as. Yeah. And he has voiced another villain in a movie that we watched. Yeah. Who was Hispanic in origin and name started with an E. Hmm. I'm going to play like I can't remember this movie. Like we didn't do this like 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Just break the, break the fourth, break the illusion here. Yeah, break the illusion. Yes. Break the illusion completely. Uh, Coco. Yeah, it was Coco. Ah. Can you tell me the guy's name? Uh, no. You were not listening that closely earlier. No, was it? <laughs> Ernesto de la Cruz. De la Cruz. That's right. That's right. Well, the, the thing I, I hear this actor's name, all I hear is a dun dun from Law, from Law and Order. Because he was on Law and Order for a while. I know that. Uh-huh. It was Law and Order, trust me. Yeah. It wasn't L.A. Law. He might have been on L.A. Well, Law, I, but it, the, the one I know is Law and Order. Yeah. Anyway, Miranda Cosgrove was the voice of Margot, and she's probably most well known for playing Carly Shay on the TV show iCarly on Nickelodeon and now Paramount Plus. Hmm. Dana Geyer played Edith, and unfortunately, mostly she's only played Edith. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a couple other small pieces Mm -hmm. like bit pieces but nothing that really jumped out or worth mentioning that much elsie fisher was the voice of agnes and she played parker in the adams family the 2019 animated one that's right she was the uh hyperactive or the the brighter friend of wednesday that's right the daughter of obviously knockoff Mm -hmm. um Martha Stewart. Yes. And we we all know that Agnes was it was Agnes all along, right? It was Agnes all along. Anyway, Russell Brand was the voice of Dr. Nefario. 
And in Death on the Nile, he played Windlesham. Yeah. One of the possible who's who done it in that film. Uh, who's? You know what I mean? The yes. suspects. Yes, I know. I'm playing along. Ken Jong was the voice of Floyd Eagleson. And in the television show community, he played Senior Chang. That is the character's name. Okay. Anyway, I've seen very little of community. I just know he was the main teacher yeah. on there after uh what's his name got kicked out, the British dude who was who was on uh he's got a he's got one of those comedic uh TV show uh news shows on on now on like I don't know what channel it's on, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Steve Coogan was the voice of Silas Ramsbottom. And in the Percy Jackson films, he played Hades. Oh, that's right. The 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 book that kind of no, the the, the movies that did not represent the, the books, books very, very well, well according to people. I didn't watch the movies, so I have no way of knowing. I watched them, they're not that good. Kingdom Hearts Connections. And they're making a series now, apparently. How many Kingdom Hearts connections do we have? Uh, I'm, I'm going to make my guess like I did before. Uh, four. You're close. It was three. Darn, like I didn't hear that an hour ago. Anyway. First one, we got Jess Harnell as Wacko. Oh, he wasn't Wacko in this, but he's most well known for playing Wacko. Wacko showed up in this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, you didn't know that. Oh, my God. He he escaped Warner Brothers and went to Universal. That would have been the movie even funnier. No, he was additional voices in this film. Yeah. And in in Kingdom Hearts, he played Locke, Dr. Finkelstein, and, and more additional voices. Eva Bella was additional voices in this, and she's the voice of young Elsa in Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh. And Andre Robinson was additional voices in both. What do we have in info and stuff? Info and stuff. IMDb has a 7.3 out of 10 available to watch on Amazon Video for $3.75.79. Now, I did allow, be like, I watched it on Blu-ray, and then I gave it to my friend over here who was who started I, to watch it. I got halfway through it, and it started glitching really bad, and so I had to go ahead and rent it so yeah just curious which system did you play it on the xbox it's the only thing i've got that's a blue plays blu-rays now oh uh, okay mm-hmm. all right so uh distribution or production actually production was illumination entertainment uh distribution was universal pictures release date was june 3rd of 2013 which is weird because then it was either or that was the information I was led to. So if I'm wrong, I apologize. Because you know me, be like, I will say something wrong probably about half the time, but either or. Box office had a budget of $76 million estimated budget. Its opening weekend was for the weekends in the United States and Canada. Uh, 30 uh, $83.5 million on July 7th. Now, nowadays, this would probably not be a very good starter, but we've had films that it sort of started lower and then, you know, just blew out everybody else in the box office. We're talking about you, Mario Bros. 
Well, I mean, it's over one billion globally, so that is true. Only film to do so for, so do so so far yeah. this year. We're we're halfway through the film or the the film season or the year actually. Yeah. Uh, so. Its U.S. and Canada gross was $368 million, and its uh, international uh, gross was $970.7 million. So, yeah, this movie made its money, or in this case, made its all, made its all, made it made all of its bananas back. Home release. Um, Universal Pictures Home Entertainment releases Pickle Me 2 on digital download on November 26th and on Blu-ray and DVD on December 10th. Sorry. Facebook is fun. Sorry. Yes. Physical copies contain three shorts. Puppy. Panic in the mall, Mel, Mel Room, and Training Wheels. Sequels. The, the first of the prequels, Minions, was released in 2015. Uh, let's see. That was released in 2015. Uh, the Typical Me 2 sequel, direct sequel, The Typical Me 3, was released in 2017. Uh, Min- the Minion sequel, Minions, The Rise of Gru, uh, released in 2023, suffered two delays from its original 2020 re- do, uh, date release due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks, COVID. COVID. This book me four is scheduled to release in 2024. So that's all I have for an info and stuff. All right. Getting into the summary. A mysterious aircraft steals a highly potent mutagen known as PX-41 from a secret laboratory in the Arctic Circle. Silas Ramsbottom, director of the Anti-Villain League, sends Agent Lucy Wilde to recruit former supervillain Gru. Gru is forcefully brought to the AVL headquarters and asked by Ramsbottom to help him track down the culprit and recover the mutagen. However, Gru refuses, claiming that he is now a legitimate father and owner of a jelly-producing business. Longing to resume his criminal life, Dr. Nefario, Gru's friend and assistant, leave him for new employment. This causes a reluctant Gru to investigate the theft and work with Lucy. The pair are stationed at the Paradise Shopping Mall with a cupcake store at their front. Gru immediately suspects Mexican restaurant owner Eduardo Perez might be El Macho, a supervillain who supposedly died by riding a shark into an active volcano with 250 pounds of TNT strapped to his chest. Poor shark. Gru and Lucy break into Eduardo's restaurant at night, but find no evidence. Meanwhile, Gru's three adopted daughters, Margot, Edith, and Agnes, who dream of having a mother one day, believe that Gru will fall in love with Lucy. Gru denies it, saying his relationship with Lucy is only professional. Despite holding Eduardo as his prime suspect, Gru agrees to pursue other leads, including the shop of wig merchant Floyd Eagleson, where Lucy discovers traces of, P- of PX-41. After witnessing Eduardo's son Antonio woo Margo and invite everyone to the Cinco de Mayo party, Gru renews his focus on Eduardo. Following a bad blind date in which Lucy helps Gru to escape, the two begin to bond. The next day, the AVL arrests Floyd after finding an almost empty jar of the mutagen in his shop. Silas closes the investigation and reassigns Lucy to Australia, leaving Gru heartbroken. At the Cinco de Mayo party, 
Gru follows Eduardo and discovers that he is indeed El Macho. Having faked his death, El Macho had hired Dr. Nefario and had abducted most of Gru's minions using the stolen PX-41 mutagen to transform them into an army of indestructible and savage purple beasts. El Macho plans to launch rockets full of the evil minions into major cities to dominate the world. He offers Gru the chance to team up with him, but Gru walks away with the girls. Suspicious, El Macho sends an evil minion, Kevin, after them. Lucy, having decided to disobey orders and return home to Gru, arrives at the party right after Gru leaves. Realizing that Lucy and Gru are working for the AVL, El Macho kidnaps her. Dr. Nefario witnesses this and informs Gru of the situation. Gru infiltrates El Macho's fortress with two of his own disguised minions, but the evil minions see through the disguise and attack them. Meanwhile, Kevin breaks into Gru's house and attacks Margo and Agnes. They lure him to Gru's lab where Dr. Nefario arrives with an antidote and turns Kevin normal again. Dr. Nefario puts the antidote in Gru's jelly reserves, and he and the girls hurry to Gru's aid. Gru, Dr. Nefario, the girls, and the surviving minions use jelly guns to restore all the evil minions to their normal state. El Macho threatens to kill Lucy and uses the PX-41 to become a monster himself, but is defeated by Gru and Dr. Nefario. Gru starts to rescue Lucy from El Macho's TNT-loaded shark rocket, but El Macho's pet chicken, Polito, launches it, sending them towards a volcano. Lucy accepts Gru's invitation for a date and then jump into the ocean before the rocket explodes in the volcano. 147 dates later, Gru and Lucy get married, giving Margot, Edith, and Agnes a mother. As everyone prepares to take a picture together, as everyone prepares to take a picture together, an evil minion appears. Getting into the trivia for this one. When Lucy and Gru are reviewing Paradise Small Shop Owners as suspects, the owner of Stuff-A-Bear, a satire of Build-A-Bear, overstuffs a bear and it explodes, making an expectant little boy cry. The boy is the same one that Gru made cry with a popping balloon in the beginning of the first Despicable Me. When Lucy Wilde gives Gru a phone number to reach her, it is clearly visible as 626-584-5723. Calling that number reaches a recording of Kristen Wiig in character with her outgoing voicemail message. However, the voicemail box is full and you cannot leave a recording. One of the minions calls the 21 fart gun salute for Dr. Nefario by saying Pado, which is the Hindi word for fart. Surprise, surprise to nobody. El Macho drinks a liquor bottle with during a flashback scene. The label says La Vengaza del El Scorpion which is Spanish for the Revenge of the Scorpion. Behind it, there is a poster, also in Spanish, that reads, If you are drinking to forget, pay first. When Gru and Lucy are in the salsa restaurant during the short fight with the chicken, there's an alien reference where the chicken bursts out of Gru's chest. I love that scene. Gru seems to be very wealthy, as indicated that he pays each of his minions wages, and there are over 10,000 minions. Although it is also indicated that despite much of his money coming from the bank in the first film, his source of income in Despicable Me 2 is still unknown. And they, and they still get paid more than Dobby the House Elf from Harry Potter. True. He actually does get paid. It's not much, but he gets paid. <laughs> and apparently it's like a once, a, what was it, once a week off every month. That's not a bad gig. When the painted purple minion is exposed, 
the one who screams and points at him does the exact same pose as Donald Sutherland in Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978. Oh. I t- have not seen the film yet. Me either. But it's on my list. Yeah. And that's all I got for the trivia. What's your first like for this film? My first like, oddly enough, the lighting in this movie. The lighting itself is pretty, I'd be like, it's, it's, it's good. I was, I was very shocked by the lighting. I was like, wow. Okay. Like everything is nicely lit. Like, um, yeah, I like the lighting. Be like how the, it's not part of the effects, but it's the lighting, the lighting setup, lighting shadow is all done very well in this movie. I enjoy that part of, part of this film is the lighting. Quick and short, this is short. Yeah, one of my first likes is the design of the minion rockets near the end because they look just like gumball machines. Yes. And I love that they're gumball machines. They are. But I also like how they're all labeled to what city they're going to. Yes. Some of them are make sense, like New York or Paris, things like that. Mm-hmm. One apparently is going to Hoboken. New Jersey. Oh. Why? I would assume New York would have took care of that. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's just because Hoboken is a funny word. Yeah, agree. It is. So we'll go with that. Very funny word. But yeah, I, I enjoy the fact that the design for the for those rockets is uh, very reminiscent of a certain uh, robot who also looks like a uh, gumball dispenser. <laughs> Which robot is this? Hang on. And then not to this. I ain't jump ahead. Tom Servo. I had to stop and think of the Tom song. Tom Servo. From Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because I had to do it in my mind. Robot, roll call, Cambot, Gypsy, Tom Servo. <laughs> hey, at least you can remember things through a song. Be like, that's pretty cool. It's in a song, so I ought to be able to remember it if I can remember the song. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Uh, my second like is, again, be like, if you watch the show for any time or listen to our show any time along, be like, you have probably mentioned my, you have probably heard me mention my love for Back to the Future. I no. Love, I'm not. Of course not. What? What? Stupid kid goes back in time and messes up time? Man, dude, that's a stupid movie. No, I mean, I absolutely love Back to the Future. Uh, so the scene where Lucy is on her way to Australia and realizes she wants to be with Gru, like, it is shot, first shot, almost, to the point where, um, um, Oh, I, I feel like a terrible Back to the Future fan. Uh, Doc's love interest in Back to the Future Part 3 uh, realizes that she's on a train and mm-hmm. she's leaving because she no longer wants to do with him. And she realizes she's in love with him and pulls the emergency brake to make the train stop. Or in this case, it's a plane. So I, I be like, when I re, when it dawned on me, this scene, I was like, oh, that's what they're doing. Oh, now, I love that. I, it's been a hot minute. Yes. Since I've watched Back to the Future Part 3, and I think you can understand why it's not my favorite of the three. Right. But I have a stupid question. Yes. When she makes a decision to turn back, is it because everyone on the train to her looks like uh, Doc Brown? No. 
Okay, I just wanted to make sure because no, if they did, that would be a dumb scene. No, 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 because no. it's a dumb scene here. Yeah, it's a dumb scene here. Do not get me wrong? But the way the way they play it out, it'd be like it's it's not. It's, it, don't get me wrong. The scene started out good. It just got dumber the longer it went. I, I agree. It did go longer. It went stupider. But the 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 whole uh, homage to Back to the Future Part Three was I, I thought I enjoyed it. Now, granted, when she pulls the door open, which you can't do on a pl- on a on a passenger, it plane, is physically impossible. Even physically at that impossible. speed, it's 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 not just that it's stupid. Yeah, it's, you can't open that door. The air pressure on the inside of the cabin makes it where you can't exactly. That. And plus, if she did open it, they'd all be dead. We'd be all they'd be all dead. But they're gonna. I'll get into dislikes later. But. Uh, I just I, I found it where well the the scene in particular what I'm talking about is where uh, our our, our um, crap anyways be like the uh, Doc Brown's love interest in Back to the Future Three she's leaving and the um, the one of the salesmen is describing this guy that he was so heartbroken whole bit and uh, she turns around be like she describes who he was is like oh him and she pulls the emergency brake. Exact same thing, except in the you know thirty thousand thirty thousand or thirty two thousand feet in the air, which I find stupid, but it's funny. I just, I my my Back to the Future heart, uh, you know, stopped for a moment. I was like, oh my gosh, they homage Back to the Future. That's awesome. So yeah, that moment. Even though the rest of the scene is just dumb. Mm-hmm. What is your second like? So as you can probably imagine, the minions are not exactly my favorite type of character to be introduced in film in the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. However, we have the minions. Yes. And there's a couple things we know about minions in general. Mm -hmm. They are short. They are yellow. They are pretty much indestructible. Mm -hmm. And they're stupid. Uh, And yet intelligent in in a strange way. But what I like here is that it was almost as if Illumination was self-aware. It's like, what is, if you were going to make an evil army Mm -hmm. out of anything that you turned quote unquote evil, what would be the scariest army you could make? Let's be honest. An army of evil minions mm-hmm. is a pretty scary thing. I it's agree. a great concept. Yes. For villains. And I think for the most part, the evil purple uh, minions are done very well, very brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Other issues affect how they're used, but that's not the issue here. True. I'm mostly talking about how well they were used in this particular film. Mm-hmm. Plus, I love how the uh, regular minions, after you painted, paint them purple, mm-hmm. were able to blend in yes. <laughs> with, with the regular minions. And it's like, yeah, I can totally believe. Yeah, the minions don't have hair, but I can totally believe these guys are the same species, even though others are crazy and evil and the mm-hmm. others are not. Because they are still acted by the same motivations. Just one is wilder and crazier and Mm -hmm. doesn't care if people like them afterwards. True. So I appreciate that 
the evil minions are actually a pretty decent idea for a concept and actually uh not counting our villain our, how our villain uses them are mm-hmm. actually well acted and thought through on this and yeah. i appreciate that because honestly you launch an army of those things on new york city yeah crap's gonna go down and it would be scary as heck that's a horror movie in the way that's true in fact that scene when he uh shows that he's got an army of them above grew you're going holy crap (laughs) that is death incarnate hanging above grew right now (laughs) it was clever it was was, was a very very clever concept Mm -hmm. we'll get to the problems with it later agreed uh, what's your third like? Uh, so before I get into that, I want to, uh, you know, get my uh, Back Future cred back. It's uh, Clara Clayton, uh. our um, uh, teacher, Clara Clayton. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that because I was like, oh my gosh, I can think of, I can think of the actor's name, but why can't I think of the character's name? So frustrating. But uh, my third like, my third like would be i think i'm just gonna steal yours because that was so good it was like definitely the the minions being transformed into their 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 evil selves i thought that was very clever it was i think for me um it was probably one of the smartest moves they did in this film is they turned the minions bad or like ravenous monsters mm-hmm. and i thought it was the design of the character thought was really funny because it morphed everything those little orange puff balls were into something that is actually kind of terrifying if you look yeah. at it like you said um re- re- release you know millions of millions of millions of those things on a uh, densely populated area that's gonna be an interesting day for anybody yeah but uh yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed the little oh they turned the minions bad they turned them into little ravenous purple monsters that was kind of interesting. that was an interesting little twist unlike the rest of the movie so my third like is the visual design of the film a lot of the sets are very well designed from yes. of course Gru's house is pretty much the same though you'll note that there's a uh another chair and like the, like his rhino one that opens the, you know, the, the opening to the, to the lair. There's another mm-hmm. one in there for the girls. That's right. That's a uh, cuter. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. I, little yeah. touches like that. Yeah. I like, uh, but you get to things such as uh, the mall with the different shops and everything, mm-hmm. including the salsa restaurant, uh, very cleverly designed stuff of, uh, yeah. El Macho's house and lair. Uh, I, I appreciate it, especially the La Cucaracha uh, key to get into the elevator, which, of course, they play the old joke of, well, would you know if I meant by those endearing charms from Looney Tunes? Uh, no. Do you remember in Looney Tunes they would at one point someone would have to play a piano for some reason mm-hmm. and there'd be dynamite hidden under one of the keys. Yeah. And they play it always go do, 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 do. And of course it doesn't set it off. And then finally they'll get someone to play the guy, the person who made the trap will get mad at them after they intentionally are making, playing the notes wrong and will play it correctly. And then the bomb blows up. Yeah. This is a reversal of that. Huh? Because, he plays it right. They, uh, 
Erne- uh, I want to say Ernesto because mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Coco, but uh, El Macho mm-hmm. plays it right, and of course he's able to go all the way through without stuff happening. But Gru, on the other hand, yeah, that was actually a layer. That was pretty good. Messes up quite a number of times and nearly gets killed. Yeah, but the but all the design the of Jones like the design of that room, the design of the uh, of, uh, of the Aztec designs in the lair itself. Did you notice that the seat that um, evil minion Kevin is in yep. when he, when he's let loose mm-hmm. the design on the chair, on the back of the chair yeah. is a crazed minion. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. I thought that was very clever. And then, you get, and then of course the party scene there at his house mm-hmm. with the chips, uh, with, with that guacamole sombrero. Yeah. That was clever. And I love how there is a physical side, physical difference between Gru's um guacamole sombrero and uh margo's yeah because hers is is smaller and looks like it's a kid's version yeah which is hilarious and apparently you give these out to people who have broken hearts even when the people who broke their hearts are the people in the room margo you deserve better than that brat (laughs) true and yes i love gru's reaction to the kid because after he has hated that kid so on and so forth and is happy they're separated he still was bad to his girl and so he froze him yeah loved that i was like <laughs> yeah that's how this works but the that's 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 not my point that's just me giving it a, a, a bonus little thing there right my third like is definitely has to be all of the visual design of the sets throughout yeah. this entire film it's all like spot on Mm -hmm. there's never a point where you're looking at this and going hey you just have that because that happens a lot of times in these films even the stuff that is obviously reused from the first film Mm -hmm. feels like it has an extra layer of polish on it fair so yeah i I appreciated that on Mm -hmm. this film so dislikes dislikes so my first dislike, and I kind of made it very obvious, this movie is not very original. Like, I mean, like, yeah, you have little points here and there. It's like, oh, that's clever. Oh, that's clever. Uh, the, the, the minions being turned into little other monsters, but you saw it coming. Mm-hmm. But, like, you see everything in this movie coming. There, there is no uh, surprise. There's no twist of villain. There's nothing. It's ever they are projecting everything in front of you and giving you no surprise whatsoever, except for like the the minions, what they turn into. That was interesting. Be like, okay, here's the formula. It's going to turn them into this, this, and this, and this. Here's your villain, because like whenever you're writing a story, you don't put the first character that our character, like your main character, your main hero or your protagonist meets, is your villain. Most of them be like, you put maybe it's the second person or the third person, not the first person, because then it makes it obvious. To me, it, I, it made it so obvious. Okay, I, I want Troy Butt in two different ways. Okay. A, he said butt. Yeah, you're just as mature as the minions are. Uh, <laughs> my rebuttal. Which doesn't help my case any. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, my rebuttal for this is that a uh, El Macho or Eduardo, mm-hmm. whatever his whatever his regular name is, yeah. does not sh- outside of the uh, where he's actually sealing the formula. Yeah, does not show up in the film to like thirty minutes into the film. He grew meets like seven other major characters in this film before 
Eduardo shows up. Oh, I agree. Secondly, you're a Scooby-Doo fan. Yeah. You know the formula for writing Scooby-Doo villains. Yeah. They're the, they're the first or second person that's brought up that they meet and is never brought up in the, in, in the, uh, uh, when they're trying to figure out who the who, who the yeah. person in the mask is, so that when it shows up at the end, it goes, "Oh, of course, it's the person who was introduced at the beginning and then conveniently forgotten about throughout the rest of the episode." Yes. So I, I will. I'm just pointing that out. Oh, like, I agree. Rebuttal. He's not even in the first couple of minutes. And secondly, your point kind of backfired on you. <laughs> well, I, I, I wouldn't agree. I, I would disagree with you on that because be like, yes, he is the first person that grew and uh, Lucy meet. In the mall, or at least in the true, they're the first person, and Gru is the one who points it out and continually points it out the entire time. But the reason he's able to do that is because he is right, he went with his gut, he knows that even if there is no evidence and the evidence is lacking, yeah, he remembers this guy. Oh, yeah, obviously, he's going to look at him and go, Oh, you've got to be El Macho, there's no way you're not El Macho because the only difference between El Macho and Eduardo in terms of visual design mm-hmm. is a mask. Yeah. And it, it's a luchador mask, admittedly, yeah. but it's not a very, shall we say, disguisable, disguising luchador mask. I, I agree. It's not because it gives away his entire profile. As a right. And, and so, yeah, I get it, but they only ever really showed one other person who may have been the villain, and you're supposed to think there's no way Floyd Eagleson, the other guy, is supposed yeah, to be a villain. Exactly, because it's, it's 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 obviously a red herring. Obviously, the point isn't that it, there's a mystery. They want you to know who it is. Yeah, the point is, grew new, and no one's believing him. Yeah, I, that's just that's that's my rebuttal. I agree. I'd be like, I agree with your rebuttal. I understand why you'd want it different. Yes. But that wasn't what they were trying to do. Yes, I agree. I think it would have probably been a little better, give you a little more mystery. Be like, okay, Gru has his suspicions. Maybe Gru can't quite pin it. Be like, he knows something's up with this guy, but he can't pin it. It would and, be more, it would be cleverer mm-hmm. to have it be El Macho, but El Macho's not the one who stole it. Yeah, exactly. Have somebody else be, and he's using his memories, and it ends up being wrong. Yeah, exactly. Make him wrong. Or but my 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 be like there again, watching the movie the first time. I kept thinking it's like, okay, Lucy's the villain. That would have been interesting. Because they would have twisted and be like, oh, she's actually the villain, and he makes her turn over to the good side. Like she's a double agent or something like that. I could see that. Yeah, because that would have been fun. I'd be like, oh my gosh, they twisted it. They made it different. Nope. Because she could have had a very black widow-ish kind of character thing exactly especially the way that she introduces uh she she introduces herself to him yeah but anyway anyways i thought that would have because it was more like it's like oh, okay you know, like you know groot was obviously right and it was just was like oh, okay it's just eh, everything in this movie is paint by numbers and it'd be like it's it, it's very predictable if there again if you watch movies or if you are view movies or if you watch a ton of movies no matter what genre you are you see it coming from a mile away and it's so predictable and for me I want something that's going to kind of go kind of grab me and say hey hold on to this this is going to be good or maybe maybe more like pull a Drew and it's like oh my gosh like a couple of seconds before it happens oh my gosh that the, this is happening nope this movie kind of it, it projects everything it's trying it's be like it, it's hi- trying to hide nothing 
It's like, here it is. Here's the story. And there, there's no mystery. I wish that this movie had a little more mystery. It would have been funner. But that's just me. What's your first dislike? First dislike will forever and always be connected to these uh, Despicable Me films, Pharrell Williams. Oh, okay. They use his music in here like it's good. Hmm. I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. It's not my kind of music. Fair. It's a little cotton candy-ish to okay. me. But uh, I will say this much. this Because of this film, a song, a song was written. Mm-hmm. That wrote, gave rise to one of my favorite modern, real weird owl parodies. Ah, because uh, Happy Happy mm-hmm. was very popular yes. when it came out. Not because of this film, no. Even though it was written for this film, yes, it was very popular when it came out. So Weird Al made a parody of it. Mm-hmm. Tacky. I, I've heard that one. It's a fun one. Oh, agreed. I agree. And and Jack Black's in it in the in the music video. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, but um, yeah, kind of a, like a tangent on the song "Happy" because they're gonna be like, there again. I did not realize the song was attached to "Zumba with Me," so I relate this song to Zumba, which I did Zumba years mm-hmm. ago. I love Zumba, and uh, it's like yes, I dance. I'll dance every once in a while. I enjoy it. You know, come at me, bro. I like it, Jacob. Uh, why you can dance if you want to. You can leave your friends behind. And I don't know the rest of the safety dance song, but let's move on. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's whenever I hear uh, happy, I'd be like, OK, OK, let's go. But uh, yeah, this song. Here, see, here's the thing. It wasn't just that this song was in the movie and we played this movie at mm-hmm. Walmart over and over incessantly. Yes. For a couple weeks. <sighs> this song played at Walmart on Walmart commercials on the back wall TVs, too. <laughs> Around the time this movie was coming out of theaters, escape it. <laughs> and I hate this song. It's nonsensical. I get it. Don't don't go try explaining the lyrics to me. I get it. If I'd have heard it one or two times, uh, I I would have just been a okay. It's a popular song. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel this way about the other Pharrell Williams song in here. That's from, that's this theme from the first one, the Despicable Me. Uh, little things like I'm having a bad bad day, you know that song. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that because that's just connected to the film. It's fine, but then you get to doon 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 doon. It might be crazy what you have to say. Yeah, I don't know the rest of the words anyway. <laughs> I, I am obviously not trying to actually produce his voice, mm-hmm. but that's what it sounds like to me. All right, <laughs> very unicorn. Um, <laughs> But, uh, I mean, I just don't like that song, and every time I hear it, I just think back to that summer Mm. at Walmart, where I had to hear that song over and over and over again once every 12 minutes. That's how long the video clip was on that back wall, and, you know, we kept the volume on those TVs down Mm -hmm. because we don't want to hear that mess. Uh Most customers don't want to hear that mess, Mm -hmm. but here's the thing. We, there there are these horrible people that exist in this world called high schoolers. (laughs) Yeah. Who think they're being clever by going to the back wall and turning the volume up as high as it goes. Oh yeah. And then running away. Of course. They find those kind of jokes. Hilarious. Uh huh. And I want to smack them upside the head when they do it. You're not being funny, and you're just being an annoyance. Go away. All in Jesus' love. Uh, in, uh, in Christian love. And Christian love. Uh, so, to me... So, yeah, this song is 
that song by itself is a dislike and will always be a dislike and does not help that it's Pharrell Williams who I've never liked. Mm. So, so here's a question. So there again, we're both eighties and nineties kids. So the, the two songs that come to mind that played on the radio constantly when they came out, drove everybody freaking nuts. <laughs> Can you guess what two songs I'm referring to? That played on the radio consecutively. I'd like to point out that when I was listening to the radio, I was on country stations. Well, never mind. So I probably don't know exactly what you're referring to. Um, bop. Bop, zip, zop, zop, do, wop, scooty, up, ba, do, wop, zip, zop, zop, do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I have no idea if those are the words. <laughs> but you fight me over if those are the words or not. Oh my god. But I remember Hanson. Oh yeah, Hanson. Everyone or... remembers Hanson. Or My Heart Will Go On from Titan. And I... That's the wrong song. <laughs> I went to I went to I Will Always Love, love You. you. <laughs> from the uh, oh, the bodyguard. From, from, from the bodyguard. Yes. The Dolly Parton song turned Whitney Houston song. Yes. Um Oh, Celine Dion. Yeah. Heart will go on. I don't know the song, <laughs> but yeah, one of those songs that played consistently. Got in your, uh, I, I remember. I remember the, uh, you know, back when SNL was actually really good. So the seventies. Okay, more the. <laughs> no, I understand that the early nineties were good too. Yeah, the it, early 90s. They, there are there are waves of when it was good and when yeah, it was agreed. bad, and anyone who was of a young adult at the time. Mm-hmm. A good wave hit is always going to say that time was better than the others. Agree. So I remember once again when Handsome you know, was just coming out. They were big. They were huge. Oombop was all over the place. And uh, they, they did a skit with, um, um, oh, crap. What's his name? Uh, uh, Christopher Walken? No. Oh, I, I, I uh, Farrell. Call it, no, uh, Will Farrell. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. They do a skit with Will Ferrell and Hanson. And so Hanson's on the show. And um, was, was Will Ferrell playing Sean Connery? No, he wasn't playing Sean Connery. No, wait, no. he was Alex Trebek in those, not Sean Connery. Yeah, but no. Sorry. Was he Alex Trebek? No, it wasn't Alex Trebek. No, he was uh they they were stepping into an elevator and the elevator got stuck and it, I was playing Oombot for 24 hours and they were stuck in the elevator for 24 hours. I'll be like, I'm going to pull my hair out. Yeah. <laughs> ironically enough, ironically enough, I know uh, women I grew up with who now will go to Hanson concerts, who now will go to um, Backstreet Boy concerts, because it's like those are the songs that, you know, define my generation. Backstreet's back. All, All right. right. Exactly. This is the dumbest written song. All right. <laughs> either no they're dumber uh, yeah there's dumber there's dumber but uh yeah it's i I thought i would throw that out there because that just reminded me it's like oh my gosh umbop and my heart will go on because those songs played the radio like no one's business and at that time i was listening to pop music yeah that would have come on incessantly exactly so yeah, so we're at num- I was number one. second dislike. Second dislike. What you're on? Oh, okay. Doctor Nefarious. Nefario. Nefario. Sorry, where where did I get Nefarious? 
it's still it's based on the same root word. It's it's a yeah. pun on nefarious. Yeah, ne- but he calls yeah. himself Doctor Nefario. Yeah, Nefario, Doctor Nefario. So be like, he, he obviously he leaves group for a better job, which I can't blame him for. He wants no. to be an evil scientist, and he's forced to make the worst tasting Jam gel, jams ever. and jellies ever. Exactly. And so be like, he he gets into you know working with um, how, what's the villain's name in this movie? In El Macho. El Macho works for El Macho. And uh, he's be like he he views all the minions, grew everybody, his family, but then he's perfectly fine with turning all the minions into you know monsters the entire time, no problem with it whatsoever. I have a defense for this, and, th- and then like the the uh, it's not a good defense, but I do have no, one. Yeah, I and the that's your point. Yes, the 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 even worse offense. He just so happens they're going he did not invent this um chemical that turns things into monsters but just a just offhand he just happened to have a uh, a uh, a cure to it that was yellow not purple and I'm just like really can you play that out a little bit more like like told the audience what's going on not be like okay, oh, you're okay. Just stupid okay play you know playing our audience like they're dumb they're not their kids they understand things hey hey okay hey they were being subtle maybe a little too subtle maybe, yeah but they bit. were being subtle because you can kind of if you are paying attention to dr nefario's character granted mm-hmm. he didn't get a lot of screen time in this no, one he didn't but based on the first movie mm-hmm. and this one dr nefario has Gru's best interests at heart, even if he is misunderstanding what's best for Gru. Right. No, Dr. Nefario is trying to get Gru back in the evil game. I, I, I Yeah, I could tell that. He is not making, after the moon project mm-hmm. was both successful and then returned mm-hmm. and everything, he understands that Gru is too too wrapped around those three girls' fingers mm-hmm. to be able to really be able to focus yeah. on anything, really. And he is probably is probably very frustrated with this jams and jellies project. Yeah. He's now stuck on. And he gets what he sees is a, an opening. At this point, any opening for him in his mind is going to yeah. work. And it's oh. El Macho, one of the great supervillains, and according to this story, mm-hmm. is offering me a job. Mm-hmm. May and and it's and he's gonna try and help. And, and I'm assuming because I we don't know how much talk there was between Doctor Nefario and El Macho before any of this yeah. happened, but it makes it sound like part of he shared the plan with Gru about this PX41 mm-hmm. and said. You know, the minion, the, the minions are the perfect. It's perfect to use them on here because this will make them, you know, like this. We'll be able to use them with this stuff to take over everything. Yeah. But Gru, Doctor Farner knows Gru will never go for it uh, unless he actually may, until maybe he can see proof. Mm. So that's why Doctor Nefario is going and brought on mainly as a way to kidnap. All the minions. Mm. Doctor Nefario is I th- and it, Grant. I am reading a lot into this, yeah. and that's part of the issue here. Mm-hmm. But you can see the minute, the very minute that he sees Lucy get captured. Yeah, 
why he goes for this. I, why this makes why why he's just just at this point he goes maybe this was not the best idea. I'm yeah. sure he had some thought process of it, especially oh, when maybe. Gru was not on board when he saw what had to be the perfect evil. What what to Doctor Nefari would have right. been the perfect evil plan. Right. And then was probably thinking about it all up at the party, and then sees uh, El Macho kidnap Lucy, and knowing uh, Gru as he does, realizes, oh, they're partners. I bet you it might go deeper than that. And these people are still my family. Yeah, yeah. He was sacrificing the minions, but he was using them the same way he would use the minions in the first movie as mm-hmm. test subjects. Fair, and he's probably better with the girls now right because he's not you know against them he mm-hmm. actually brings them along with the that with, with them to help at the end yeah so i mean his story is a lot subtler in this film than the last one for good or for ill but i yeah. think that's part of what it is is he actually had motivation it was just very subtly shown and i can get how that didn't work for you it really doesn't work in the film itself no it doesn't work and the fact that it Dr. should have been a there should have been a scene somewhere that showed Doctor Nefario was had shown the interview process or the discussion process, even if it's not until the very end of the film. Yeah, you don't when, show the villain. It's just when you know, giving him he, the interview. There should have been a flash when he when uh, he uh, sees Lucy get captured. Yeah, there should have been a flashback there. Yeah, to explain Doctor Nefario's entire thing, so it makes sense when he comes back at uh, back to Gru's house. With the antidote, which you know he had, was probably working on the same time. Probably. That's the only way he would have had it done that fast. And yeah. I can see it because he likes the minions just as much as anyone else doesn't want to see them. It's crazy forever. Yeah. That's my thought process. Yeah, I, I would agree with you to an extent, but I think it's just the it was the lack of uh, development in the story where they could have done so much more mm-hmm. with this. Be like, obviously, they could have done more of a flashback, and maybe Doctor Nafario had more of the like a regret for what he did to the minions yeah. because he does view them as a as a, a part of his family. But like, I always miss you guys. Blah 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 blah. As he's you know very slowly leaving, you know the joke mm-hmm. here. But um, it is just kind of it's just the 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 whole plot structure of it isn't doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It's just be like, oh, okay. Oh, it's Dr. Far- Nefario. Oh, he's helping, you know, the he's helping the villain. And uh, it's like, yeah, that, that plot doesn't really work for me. It's like if they would have fleshed that out a little bit more. And it's like Illumination does very good storytelling. And a lot of their movies, like Despicable, Despicable Me 1 was be like yeah, it's some really really good storytelling in this one it's just like oh okay. they're a bit lazier in this they're, it's a it's a lazier story yeah that's that's a better description it's a lazier story so yeah that's my second dislike Doctor Nefario's lazy story my second dislike is El Macho oh okay he's a dull villain yeah because here's the thing. We know the minute uh, Eduardo shows up, he's the villain. Yeah, exactly. They did nothing to help dispel that or anything. No. You see him, he's acting like a villain. He's yeah. already a villain between Gru and Lucy, despite the fact Gru thinks, oh, that's just a professional relationship. Well, we all know they're going to fall yeah, in love. We, we knew that. We knew that with the lipstick taser. Surprise, surprise to nobody. 
and granted some of these lazy things are fine if you do interesting things with the rest of it exactly but they didn't do interesting things with the rest of it and Mm -hmm. the worst offender is el macho because he's his plan is well it makes sense he's not really doing anything to make it happen he's not a very intelligent person see here's the thing the guy in the first film what's his name um the idiots. Oh one. yeah, the, the the guy in the jumper. Yeah, as stupid as he was, he was intelligent when it came to planning stuff. He would have seen through uh, grew the second. Yeah, that that he walked into that into that uh, store. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he knows that's grew, and he's kind of playing to grew, but he's not pretend. He's not acting like he knows it's grew. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, he's not looking into who Lucy is or why they would know each other. He knows nothing about why they're there, despite the fact he should have a better idea. That if he was a decent villain, he should know. Secondly, his acting is poor. Mm-hmm. Not the actors, the animated acting. The yeah, that the animation. Is. There is a point in there where he is fed up with Gru in the. Uh, I don't know if it's outside the rocket or if it's when he's first showing off the minions, but he says something that says like, uh, we could have owned the world grew. And mm-hmm. it's kind of this eat mad kind of thing, but the acting is very, uh, yeah. It's like the voice is not matching the actions. Yeah. It should. And it's not. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't it? Uh, granted, maybe it was a take and you had to make a quick decision in the editing bay for all I know. Yeah. But it's a very boring animation for a movie that's supposed to be kind of energetic. Yeah. In its animation. Mm-hmm. That's what these Despicable Me for- movies are. Is it should be is energetic. There should be fast movements ex- unless there's points where you actually do have a over-the-top sad sequence. Mm-hmm which we do get in here too, Agreed. or the over the top lovey dovey sequence when they're taking the, uh, the bad blind date home. Yes. Uh, those you can kind of go with the less high energy jokey movements, but that never happens to uh, El Macho. And when you look at El Macho, he's not macho. Mm-hmm. He's not maybe he's based on someone's idea of what eighties macho Ness mm-hmm. was like it's, I can maybe kind of see it as a uh, Hulk Hogan ish. Mm-hmm. Cause maybe that's the idea. This eighties kind of, um, let me tell you brother. Yeah. That, that's more macho or, man. Hey, than- you're going nowhere. Yeah. I got you for three minutes, three minutes of, Playtime. <laughs> Randy Savage. Randy Savage. <laughs> Macho Man. Randy right. Savage. Exactly. Yeah. That's what they're going for. Yeah. And it's not what they got. Yeah. It, Benjamin it, Bratt, bless his heart. Mm-hmm. He doesn't can't really pull off that voice. And his act and the and the action for the for the animation mm-hmm. is not really that either. Yeah, you get this description of the way he faked his death mm-hmm. by tying himself to a a shark that was tied to a rocket with 250 uh, sticks of TNT Mm -hmm. strapped to his chest. And all they found was uh, a a, a smoldering chest hair. Okay. 
I get the joke here. Mm-hmm. Do not get me wrong. And I get that. Oh, this is obviously a man past his prime. He's going through midlife crisis. He's yeah. got a gut. They play that joke up they too. Do. I get that. They do. He's not as macho as he used to be. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. At the same mm-hmm. time, I can't believe this guy was anything more than. <sighs> I'm trying to think of the character. Um, I can't. I can't believe El Macho was any more of a villain than Condiment King. Wow. Honestly, I can't. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, he's. He puts on a good show, but I can't see him actually doing anything. Sure, he's got the tech. Yeah. Most of that tech, I think, actually belonged to Dr. Nefario. But technically, the magnet ship would have been before that, though it has a lot of Dr. Nefario design yeah. elements yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has It's very reminiscent of Gru's uh, slug car and the slug plane from the first one. Mm-hmm. Not slug is the wrong word, but I can't think of what you call yeah. that shape. There. Um it's got a lot of that kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, so I, I can't really blame that. The way to get down to his lair, that's definitely a Nefario thing. It mm-hmm. had to have designed that because mm-hmm. it's reminiscent of the over the topness of how Gru gets into his lair from the house. Yeah. All of these things. Grant, he's supposed to be showing off that. Uh, is it Enrico Suave? Is yeah, that the character's Enrico, name? Yeah, Enrico he's trying Spotty. to give off that he was once one of these kind of guys. That's why he does the uh, Pasa Doble dance with the uh, woman he steals off the small food That's, court thing. Yes. And says, kids eat free on Tuesdays. He's trying to give off that Ricardo Montalban yes. swag, swagger. Yeah. He's got it none is, of it. it. It's failing badly. I know that's the joke. Yes. Do not get me wrong. Yes. But the thing is, I it doesn't look like he ever had it. Yeah. I get that. This is supposed to be him after the fact. His mm-hmm. past is prime. He's trying to recapture his youth and mm-hmm. failing miserably. But the thing is, when someone has had it at one time and then loses it, you mm-hmm. can still see it in their movements. Yes. They still expect things to go away. And yeah, there is the joke with the, the fact that obviously the girl he kidnaps off the floor to do the dance with and then throws back at, you know, her husband outside the restaurant. Mm-hmm. There is the feeling that's like, Oh yeah, she's into it. But honestly, it's got all the fervor of a, aren't we cool young kiddos yeah. with what, with all this funny stuff we're doing? Yes. You know what I mean? It's, it's very mm-hmm. much a, it's very looking downward and he's not even that good. A villain. Yeah. I agree. He's an interesting uh, character, yeah. but it, I can't see him as really the villain of the piece. He doesn't have as much villainness to him that, uh, the, the jumpsuit guy from the first one does, whose name yeah. I can't remember right now. Yeah. And honestly, looking forward to uh, Minions Mm -hmm. and what I remember of um, Despicable Despicable Me 3, those villains, while still ridiculous, Mm -hmm. just have a lot more oomph to them, a lot more fun to them. So, yeah. So, my third dislike of this film... And oddly enough, I kept thinking about Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig, what was another film I watched her in? That kind of reminds me of this. It's, oh, yeah, Ghostbusters answer the call. The quote-unquote third Ghostbusters film. Much much too many people's chagrin. Yeah, wasn't that good. I'm not a fan of it myself. No, wasn't but. a fan. But what it reminded me of 
is the pacing of this movie. Be like how Ghostbusters answered the call. Either the jokes, they were way too quick, or they dragged out way too long. Be like they they overstayed their welcome. And in this film, it kind of drags. Be like you're be like, yeah, your storytelling's okay, but your jokes are they're dragged out way too long. Or it's like, okay, we're gonna put a little pause here, but the pause is too long. The uh the scene where I described the back to the future moment. That scene takes it is a way too long of a shot. It like it drags and drag. It feels like they stay on that for five minutes. Mm-hmm. That one joke for five minutes. Because there again, going back to Ghostbusters Range, the call, which I was not a fan of, had the the scene in which the the two main characters are getting fired, and it feels like they stay on that one bit for five minutes. This feels like this movie. In a, in several moments, several moments throughout the entire movie, that the jokes are dragging way too long, and they need to cut them shorter. But it's just I don't know. Maybe they wanted to get more of a laugh out of things. I don't I don't know. Be like it just the 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 sense of humor in a lot of the scenes. They just the the scene themselves drug out a little too long. And the bigger the biggest example, like we talked about before, was in the plane scene. That scene is dragged out way too long, and it gets dumber by the minute. It should have stopped with ba- with the baby groover form going, I made the boom boom. Yeah, exactly. That's where the scene should have ended. Exactly. but Or not no. scene should have That's when you should have gone to the whole, I I need you to make a decision, and I choose Gru and jump out of the plane. Yeah, exactly. But they go on for two more minutes showing all these other people turned into Gru's Gru. face. And it's like... Yeah. I get it. Move on. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's other points throughout this entire film where the uh, uh, to me the jokes are a little too long, and they're a little too long in the tooth, and they 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 kind they overstay their welcome in so many ways. So I think just like in Back to Back to the Future, no, Back to the Future was amazing. Ghostbusters answer the call. Be like the jokes are a little too long. Unlike Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is a freaking amazing film. Fight me on it. I haven't seen it, so I can't say. Oh, it's good. I can't uh, wait for Firehouse. Here's the thing. Uh, Kristen Wiig, she ha- plays a similar character in a lot of her stuff. Yeah, she does. Do you want to know how much range she actually has? I've heard she has some really good range. She's been in a movie we reviewed. Which one? How to Train Your Dragon. Who does she She's play? Rough Nut. She's rough nut. She's rough nut. That's right. Is she? Play? She is rough nut. That's right. Yes. Oh my gosh. You talk about that's right. Now I can hear it. hundred and eighty degree character change. Yeah. And she's just as believable there, if not more so. Yeah. Then dull and boring kind of character voice, but it sounds really good. And this character, it works like, for it. It's like yeah. lipstick taser. Yeah. It's just yeah. It's it's like thinking about it. Yeah. I guess, but like you have rough which, nut, which, which this, is, oh my gosh, amazing character, which this, this movie, I blame her. I blame that character more on the writing than the, than the acting. Agreed. In my opinion, because I get that she's ditzy, but she's a little more ditzier than she needs to be. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of over. I can't believe her as an actual secret agent. Yeah, exactly. Even if she's a bad secret agent, I can't believe her as a secret agent, period. Yeah, because to, to me, when they revealed her character, I was like, ooh, she's going to be the villain or she's going to be a henchman to the villain. And Gru's going to turn her to being a, a good character. These movies are not that deep. I know, but I wish it would have been. That would have been such a great twist in the movie. 
I don't think Illumination's ever done a movie quite that deep. Yeah. They do have a bad tendency to be shallow. Yeah, shallow. Granted, it works in some places. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Like Mario. Yes. But, yeah. But, yeah. And that's not really shallow, per se, Mm because there's a lot of deep cuts in there. But Mm -hmm. the story is like, you know what's coming. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. But for that movie. My third dislike... Mm -hmm. My third dislike is Margot. Margot. Her story, while funny, mm-hmm. and I understand where she's coming from, mm-hmm. and they do cut it off at the right time. Yeah. But the whole idea of her blossoming into a young a, a young woman in her teenage years and going out with boys and dating. A that plot line that they, the way they wrote it is super generic and yeah. could have been any character could have been Edith for all it mattered. Um, it's dropped way too fast mm-hmm. and it does nothing for the movie except allow Gru to be annoyed at somebody for a couple of scenes. Agreed. I get why you want this character to have. To 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 fall in love with the boy, the, a young boy. Mm-hmm. I get why you chose that young boy to be the son of the villain, who, let's face it, is just as shallow as his father is. Mm-hmm. And yes, I do like it when she when he does break her heart by going out with another girl. Gru's reaction is freeze ray. Mm-hmm. I love that part. Yeah, but the thing is, I and don't really get. And I know it's supposed to be a love at first sight. She's mm-hmm. falling in love with his looks puppy. more than his personality. Puppy dog love. Puppy. Yeah, I get that. And she's and this is going to be her first broken heart. And it's supposed to be innocent enough that she. It's not you know. Yeah, heart is broken, but it's not a, a devastating. Yeah, hurt. Not, yeah, I get that's what it's supposed to be. But for a story like this, mm-hmm. I need more than just. I'm in love with him. You can't go out with him. He's a boy, and I want you to be my little girl forever. Till you're 30. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's the running gag here. Yeah, he's afraid to give up his little girl. And Mm. granted, I understand that Gru loves these girls like they have been his daughters since day one, Mm -hmm. even though at best they've known each other for a year at this point. Yeah. I get that. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But... Margot went from being this smart, no-nonsense, tough cookie character who had to learn to love again in the first film Mm -hmm. to being, I'm in love with a boy. I don't care that he's wrong for me. He's sweet. He's sexy. He talks like he's a little Enrico Suave and Ricardo Montalban. I just love him. (laughs) I'm just going to go stupid because... Margo, you are smarter than this. I I know love makes fools of us all. Yeah. Do not get me wrong there. But I'm sitting there going, Margo, your character went from being an intelligently written leader of your family, who should still be the leader of her family, even though Gru is the father. Mm-hmm. She still is the, the oldest of the three girls. She yeah. still is... He, you're in, you're the your oldest brother. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I understand you get to that age, you get stupid, you fall in love, that sort of thing. I get all that. And admittedly, she's a little young, even by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But at the same time, looking at like, 
you went from being a very smart character to being a really dumb character that let me let me back up <laughs> i know the answer to and i know what what description i'm going for here she went from being as intelligent as elsa in frozen mm-hmm. to being as much, to to being as uh cheap and, and falling in love as anna at the mm. beginning of Frozen, she went from Elsa to Anna in two movies. Just wanting to fall in love with the first person she sees, despite the first one, she's smart enough to know that to to put her walls up between someone she doesn't think is who thinks is just trying to use them. Mm-hmm. And ironically, when someone is trying to use her, she doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. So I get, and I get there's a bit of flip flop, but she goes from being Elsa to being Anna, and not hitting that middle ground you need to be at, yeah. and it's annoying. Because Margo was a good character I agree. in the first film. And here she's like, good night, Agnes. And e- Agnes is a smarter character than you are right now. And Agnes is supposed to be the fun one, the fun, yeah. the naive one. Yeah. She's more knowledgeable about what's going on than you are. <laughs> well, to kind of, I don't want to say simplify it, simplify that point. Uh it is it is a little annoying that she does you know kind of fall head over heels for this boy really quick and that does happen that does yeah. happen uh, I get that it does mm-hmm. and uh it is it is kind of regrettable that our most our smartest character the the leader of the pack kind of goes blah for a boy but I mean like it's it, it I think I think it, it makes a it makes an interesting arc for the character. Because you have this character who is very smart, then goes dumbfounded for a boy, and then gets her heartbroken, but then quickly recovers from that, or you know, takes some time to recover from that. So yeah, I, I don't think the like yeah, it's 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 a I don't think it's a um, it's it's a good uh, connection point to get the story to go where it needs to go. Uh, it's it's a little sad they kind of sacrifice um, Margot's character to get there, but thankfully we do get a kind of a redemption for her character that she kind of you know it's like okay this guy's not really good for me. Yeah, it's just she goes she goes stupid for a yeah. while. And that's what bugs Fair. me. But yeah, Fair. That was my third dislike. So we need to rate this film. Okay. What do you rate it? Seven. Okay. It's not bad. It's not good. Okay. It's not serviceable. That's not the word I'm looking for. Mm. It's um, it's watchable. It's watchable. It's uh, it, it, it's. Competent. That's the okay, word I'm looking for. Go. It's a competent film. It's not pushing anything. It's not doing anything exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even go out on a limb to say it's the best Despicable Me film. Yeah. To some degree, I think I prefer this a little bit because it's not as tied to the over melodramatic story of the first because mm. it's trying to do something different yeah. than the first movie, but it's still, it doesn't do what it tries to do very well. Oh, okay. What little it's trying to do. Okay. So seven, it's okay. competent. Mm. Uh, I will go a little lower. I go with a six. Uh, Cause there again, I, 
personally, I prefer this film to be one over this film because there again, there it's a far better story. It's more well crafted. Uh, this movie is paint by numbers. It is. It plays it way too safe with everything, uh, and just like some of the some of the plots are like definitely with Doctor Nefario. It's just like really. And uh, just like just just all the, all point the points of the plot, it's just kind of like bland. The they they could have done something really cool with it instead of trying to play it safe like they normally do. Do something different, change things up. Because I think what they did with the Spickle Me, they 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 took the they they ripped the mold out and did something different. But with this one, they just played it way too safe. And I think they, they could have done better with the story. And there again, this is a kid's film. And I think with a kid's film, you need to, you know, address your audience like they're intelligent, not just little little kids that don't think. Well, we both agree you should never talk down to children. Yeah, don't talk down to children. Don't. It doesn't give them an a excuse to try and get better. Exactly. So, yeah, mine's a six. To grow, I mean. Exactly. So. It's a six. Yeah. Which brings us to the end of... Our review portion of the show. Yeah. So join us on the other side of the bumpers and we'll get to talking about what we've been watching, what's in the news, and a little X-Men. Mm-hmm. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out Sunning and Brave, where each week hosts Chris Cowan of the Babylon Bee and Nate Henderson of some boring budgeting job confess their privilege, spotlight stunning social media posts, and fabricate outrage, all while keeping you super woke and enlightened. They will make you laugh. That's right. You have no choice. Check out Stunning and Brave at stunningandbrave.net. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com. And, and so not this person because I haven't taken them out your yet. Your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob. Please donate to us on Patreon. He's working on it. Mm-hmm. Actually, technically, at this point, I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. I already got it done. Because your part's done, and I just I'm haven't got it. Done. I haven't gotten it posted yet. Uh huh. Exactly. So, I'm ahead this time, <laughs> Jacob. I have a question for you. Yes. What have you been watching? Well, uh, I think it was last weekend. I think it was last. Yes, it was last weekend. Because my wonderful girlfriend was out of town. And I had the weekend to myself, so I decided to, ever since we are going to do something with another podcast, I'm not going to say where or when or what podcast this is, uh, but if you know, you know. Um, so I finished all eight episodes. Just bear with me here. Eight episodes of... Um, Skull Island on Netflix. This is an animated series. Animated series is eight episodes, people. Eight episodes. 
is based on hey. Skull Island of the movies that came out from Legacy. Legendary. Legendary. Legendary films. And the Monsterverse uh, films. Monsterverse films. King Kong whole bit. It's a King Kong show. Okay. I, I, I know what you're saying, but I got to correct you. Okay. Technically, it's not King Kong. Because it's Kong. From a legal point of view, unless you are Universal Studios, you cannot claim it's actually King Kong for 10 more years. Because they had to base it off the book, and officially the character from the book has to be called Kong now, Mm. because the book is actually in the public domain. That's actually a novelization of the first film. Ah. So anything that was in the novelization that was not in the movie can be messed with. Mm. If you don't believe me what I'm saying, go listen to the person whose episode, show we're going to be on Monster Island went, Film Vault. Yeah. Go listen to his episode on King Kong. Uh, I think it's actually uh, the original King Kong where he talks about this. Ah. And uh, let's just say the copyright uh, surround the, the legal rights around King Kong are uh, a wild and crazy story. That's what I keep Involving hearing. a certain plumber. Uh, a certain giant lizard and uh, the guy who would eventually fund the uh, transform the transformers, the movie. Oh, that's right. I do remember that. Interesting. So, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I watched skull Island on Netflix. It's a, it's a show. It's a, it's a show. It's a thing. Keep an hey. eye out for that episode. To yeah. find all our thoughts on that. Yeah. Show. Who, I still have four episodes of that <laughs> to watch. So, yes. Uh, what is it? I don't know when the MIFE episode is coming. Is, is out. it? Is it Amy? Annie. Annie. Yeah. You want to know how I remember? <laughs> Little orphan Annie. That makes sense. She's an orphan. Yeah. And she has very little likability. That is true. <laughs> it's a gab. You got a movie about a girl named Annie who's the most wonderful sweetheart in the planet. Not. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get there when we get, get there. there on Monster Island. We'll get there. Thanks, Nate. Unless we're getting picked up. I don't know the how all that's working. But if, if we're getting picked up by Annie, we're going to have a problem here. Not by Annie. I don't think I'll be like dog wouldn't be mine. I would not mind writing dog back. Jimmy will pick us up probably off in his oh, u- picked up my dog in his Uber Mogura. That's true. But anyway, yeah, I want to get picked up my dog. Come on, Nate, make it happen. That dog would have you for lunch. He wouldn't eat me. <laughs> Maybe you. <laughs> I'm a dog person. Remember? I'm a cat person, but that doesn't stop every cat from from like doesn't make every cat like me. Well, cats are weird. No, they're not. They're introverts. Dogs are extroverts. Exactly. Y'all are weird. Let's move on. I know this. What else have you been watching? Because I know you hadn't just watched that. Exactly. So I watched this for Monster Island Film Ball. We're doing that at some point. And um Again, thanks, Nate. Uh, in so many ways. <laughs> uh, so, and then be like, I I started watching another show on Netflix last week, and it's like, you know what? Be like, I've got a little time. Why not continue watching this? I'm continue to watch The Watcher, or not The Watcher, The Witcher, The Witcher on Netflix with uh, Henry Cavill. Toss a coin to Witcher, who Valley of Plenty. That's yeah, all I know of the show. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of funny because I know I've watched. 
I, I'm, I was aware of the video games and how, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, HBO they get? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very HBO. And I assumed, that, assumed the show was going to be just as bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. I'm like, okay. But uh, I am, I'm enjoying it so far. Be like, yeah, it's, it's just... Uh, there's one scene on a beach that is like, oh my gosh, this character's talking about this. It's like, okay, but it's, you know, very true in, in some capacities for, for characters in that world. But, mm-hmm. um, yes. Uh, if you've seen the scene, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've not watched it, but I can guess. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you after show. But, um, uh, uh, I, 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 I assume it is much like the beginning of Greece but more explicit maybe you've I'll, never seen greece have you the movie yeah yes i've seen greece you know the beginning yes. when he and uh no, this is her not, on the beach yes i know what it's implying and it's very obvious what they're doing yes i assume it's a lot like no, that but more explicit no it's the opposite they're doing it in armor no shush <laughs> No, I'll tell you after the show. Thank you very much. Okay. It's a family-friendly show. Thank you very much. True. Very true. Moving on. Keep the sand out of your shorts, dude. <laughs> Moving on. So, yeah, that's what I've been watching. I've been watching The the Witcher, and I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, I had heard about this, and probably people would say, don't watch it, Jacob, but I'm actually enjoying it. It's a really good story. I'm I'm loving Henry Cavill's performance. Mm-hmm. Everything I've seen Henry Cavill do is good. I'm putting that emphasis there for a certain somebody who might listen to this someday. Henry Cavill is a good actor, and he knows I say this, and he's a good Superman. Period. Okay. Yeah. So I thought I would just say that there to maybe people who might listen to someday. He'll never hear this. I can't imagine him watching a video, listening to a review of Despicable Me too. Probably not, but you never. (laughs) Okay. um, What I've been watching. Yes. I'll start at the low end and lead to the, the, the big one. The grandiose stuff. Yes. So what's the low hanging fruit? The low hanging fruit I discovered on Disney Plus has added a sitcom from my childhood on that I have caught bits and pieces of over the years, but yeah. can't tell you I ever watched the whole thing. Huh. Different episodes over the years. But right. you know the episodes that never made it into syndication, I don't remember because you know, around one of those that that early time of life where you don't remember much. Right. And this was a little show involving, uh, well, Benford Tools is proud to present Tim the Toolman Taylor. They added Home Improvement to Disney Plus. Oh, my God. All eight seasons. Yes. I I loved that show when I was a kid. It's still very well written now what I'm saying. It's still very early. I'm still in season one, so it's very obvious. Here are all the character concepts that we've written. We don't really have character histories in place yet. Exactly. <laughs> but that's fine. Yes. Uh, but I've, I've watched like about seven or eight of those episodes. Yeah. And it's like, this show is so much fun. It's not the deepest show. It's definitely a family-friendly sitcom. It's, it's 90s, yeah. It's 90s. But it's, it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I know how to put it. It's the perfect kind of thing I can put on and kind of play in the background 
while editing the podcast. Okay, fair enough. And that's kind of what I've been doing. Okay, fair. <laughs> uh, moving okay. up from there, of course, uh, July 4th was this last weekend, and mm-hmm. I went and visited my parents. Yeah. And we got in a lot of Perry Mason. Yeah. Have you ever watched any Perry Mason? Very little. That's a very fun kind. It's it, it's you can kind of figure the formula out after mm-hmm. a little bit, but every once in a while they'll throw an episode in where it's like, I have no idea who the killer was until like the last couple minutes, mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm, and even when you know who did it. Mm-hmm. you're just kind of having fun going along for the ride. There was an episode where, yeah, they there was a, a murder that occurred. Mm-hmm. The murder occurred halfway through the episode. Oh, okay. And it was a bit of a mystery that, of who actually did the murdering. Mm-hmm. But the crux of the whole episode was this little girl wanted to know who her parents are. Mm. She had been... Uh, did she murder somebody? No, 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 no. Let me explain. For whatever reason, she doesn't know who her parents are. She doesn't even know if her name is actually her name. Mm -hmm. A long time ago, she was, uh, she arrived at a boarding school. The boarding school gets a check for her that covers all her living expenses. Hmm. And she gets a doll twice a year. Comes from the same place. Hmm. No idea who the actual parents are. Oh, okay. So most of the episode is trying to figure out who her parents are. And when you finally figure out the parentage and everything, her grandpa dies. Oh. And it was not of old age. Hmm. It's very obviously not old age was the cause. Uh, Poker over the head. Fireplace poker. Poker through the head. Fireplace poker over the head. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's bad. And uh, the person they are kind of wanting you to think is the killer. Mm-hmm. Isn't the killer? Mm. She's just not. Anyway, I won't get too much into it. it. Was that was one of the episodes, and it was good. It, they are very. A lot of them are very simplistic, and you're a little formulaic, and you fall. But every once in a while, they have one of these. It's like, huh. You actually put some writing into this. Yeah. And and I, I say, it's not like they don't put writing into all of them. Yeah. But there's a couple of them. It's like, okay, yeah, this one wasn't as good. But you get somebody's like, I'm actually curious where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Like, really curious. Not just something to eat, something to watch while eating lunch kind of curious. Mm-hmm. It's literally it's like, this is a good episode. I would yeah. suggest this one. Um, it's like old episodes of Star Trek in a way. Uh, so, yeah, we watched a lot of that. And then last Monday, we watched a film in a theater. Oh, which one? Number five. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. By many review of this film, it is better than four, but not as good as the original trilogy. Okay. Which is probably the most, the fairest thing. There was nothing in there that made me go... Well, that's stupid. There was not a nuke the fridge moment. Yeah. Like four was full of. Mm -hmm. It was an okay story. And there was one point where it's like, okay, that's just a little more over the top than the other three. The the three went. It always ends on something, quote unquote, supernatural happening. 
the supernatural moment in this, for lack of a better term, it's there. And to some degree, it's like, you should have gone a little more subtle with this, but yeah. it was still not bad. Yeah. Uh, it was. A, I suggest it. Yeah. Give it a shot. You might like it more than I did, but for me, like I said, it's better than four, but not as good as one through three. Okay. So having seen all five of the Indiana Jones movies with Harrison Ford, mm-hmm. uh, which of the movies would you do you prefer overall? Is this an objective or a subjective t- uh, discussion? Either or. <sighs> Objectively, Raiders, I think, is the better, best film. Mm-hmm. But my favorite, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom, okay. I know that's an unpopular choice. Yeah. But I have always enjoyed the over-the-topness and funness mm-hmm. of Temple of Doom. Just over-the-topness in the others. But the others are much more kind of archaeological James Bond films. Fair. Indiana Jones is just like, Temple of Doom is just like, What's the stupidest fun thing we could do right now in India? Fair. Yes, I do not like what's her name, the, oh, the girl. Yeah. yeah, she's annoying after a while, but she gets her comeuppance for being annoying throughout yes. it, which is I, which I like, which like the monkey brains. Oh gosh! Um, yeah. And let's we face are all it, going to die. Yeah, short round. Yeah, one of my favorite characters in cinema history. Yes. You know, talk bad about Doctor yeah. Jones. <laughs> Yeah. Indy, what are you doing? This is no time for love. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. I hate this, but I love it at the same time because it's just fun. Pre- what, what did he say? What did he say? Prepare for crash landing. <laughs> I love his performance. It's so good. I love you, short round. Yes. Yes. You deserved better than you got, even though you did finally win an Oscar. Yes. <laughs> I, I would say, because we like they're going to watch. But the others are good, too. And let's face it, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery in the same film. Yes. Oh, my God. You can't be mad at that. Yeah. These three films are this mm-hmm. in terms of quality. You can niddle and nitpick between the three of them. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They're all th- three kind of right there. Yeah, I would agree in some cases. Yeah. That's why Chris the Skull is so disappointing. Agree. Because it's down there. Yeah. Now, I will say, yeah, they are including Crystal Skull in the continuity. Of course, you have to. But they handled it better than I think they had any, than, the, than that movie had any right to be handled. Okay. That's the all I'm going to say. Gotcha. I would say, let's my- just say that uh, a character does not return, mm-hmm. but you feel his, the fact that he's missing. Oh, okay. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, my favorite of the Indiana Jones films would be uh, actually Hang on Your Wall, Last Crusade. I mm-hmm. love Crusade. I, there again, it is the culmination of three amazing films. You have the, the, the duo of Sean Connery and Harrison Ford as father and son. And the, the way they play up each other, the comedic timing in the movie, the, the, the father-son bonding in the film, I love it to death. The action, the adventure, obviously. It's back to fighting with Nazis uh, from a historical standpoint. Technically, despite the fact it takes place in the 60s, this is also fighting Nazis. Oh, of course. <laughs> That's all I'm going to tell you. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, just like I'd be like, yeah, there again, all three of these films would be like it for me. It's like Last Crusade, Raiders, and then Doom. But they're they're all really really good. Oh yeah, yeah. Because again, <laughs> Temple of Doom be like, I, I get why people don't like Temple of Doom as well as the others. Yeah. But no one I've ever talked to would not include Temple of Doom yeah. in that lineup. Yeah. Even before Crystal Skull. Yeah. And Crystal Skull, they just like, okay, yeah, Temple of Doom is not that bad. That's how some people would react. But even before then, you talk about Indiana Jones, they include all three movies. It's, Temple of Doom may have been their weakest, but it was certainly not a bad film and no, that people no, didn't no. watch. And to, you know, to give Crystal Skull the, 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 uh, to give what the movie justly deserves, but Harrison Ford does an amazing job in this film for, for Crystal Skull. I think he does an amazing job. He does a film. good, he does a good job. The yeah. problem is the story is, not well written and it's dull. Yeah, I agree. In in most capacities, it's it's the same problem a lot of uh, Spielberg films around that time had, Agreed. and George Lucas films around that time Agreed. had. Agreed. They and uh, but unlike the other franchise films that were around this time that that got a lot well more a lot better received later on, mm. uh, Crystal Skull's not getting that treatment. Agreed. Agreed. Be like, yeah, th- there are parts in Crystal Skull I enjoy. But there are others, and it's like, okay, this is a little too much. It's like, really? Aliens? Really? But okay. Either way. That kind of worked, but it was not well done. It wasn't very well done. But the fact that, like, this works, trust me. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So moving forward. Yeah. Uh, What do we got in the news? The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Why, thank you, Dilit. And thankfully, my hair is not purple right now. Do you want it purple? No, please, and thank you. All right, then. Okay, then. I'll stop put, trying. I'll try not to push the AI's button. I didn't quite get that, Dilit. What was it? The button is was pushed earlier? Oh, crap. That's why you got hit with the, the dart earlier. The dart? Dart? Oh, wait, I do see it now. Where? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Where? Where? Hold, hold still. Where? Where, 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 where is it? Where is oh. it? No! no. <laughs> you got an answer for this, Dilet? Hi, Chihuahua. No, you don't have an answer for it. Ow. We'll talk about this later. Hmm. Thanks. Ow. Do you have any, any except? You know, Antiseptic looking? spray? Yes. An analgesic cream? Yes. No. Well, darn. If it gets affected, I'm going to... Well, I can't sue an AI, but okay then. Let's say she's not technically a person? Legally? That is true. Yeah, not in this timeline. No, not in this timeline. That worries me, but let's continue. Yeah. Anyways. All right, going into the news. Uh, so San Diego Comic-Con is around the corner, uh, starting, uh, uh, January 19th to the 23rd. You mean July? July. That's what I meant to say. I always do this every year. So I ju- wish it was January. <laughs> yeah. It'd ju- be cooler. Yes, it would. If you live in Texas, you know exactly what we're talking about. Thanks, Canada. <laughs> 
You know, out of context, that makes no sense. I agree. Apparently, there's uh, massive wildfires in Canada, which has caused all the massive heat wave we're having down here. Right. Apparently. But among yes. other things. Among other things. There again, I am not dogging our, uh, we have listeners from Canada. I'm not dogging you. It's just the fires are causing more problems down here. But nuance. So, Comic-Con, uh, not New York Comic-Con, but San Diego Comic-Con. International San Diego Comic-Con. There we go. Okay. So, Cartoon Network and Adult Swim will be uh, announcing their lineups for their upcoming animated series, uh, which will include uh, a Rick and Morty, uh, Mm. a new series coming out. Apparently, Rick and Morty is still on the air. I thought it you know... Right well, af- after one of the uh, the guy who voices Rick got canceled pretty heavy a couple about it last year, yeah. I'm surprised they were able to keep it going. Right, considering he was one of the creators of the show. Right. Uh, so there's a new show coming out, uh, My Adventures with Superman, which is I think you can watch on Hulu. I think was was this the one? That I saw a, po- a, a video earlier today where they were showing S- Superman getting into costume, and it was very Sailor Moon esque. I think I heard something about this. I think it's on Hulu right now. I think. Don't get me. I'd be like, don't quote me on it. Or it's uh, or it's on Max or one of those. I think it would be on Max because it's Superman. Who's doing the the clicky thing? The clicky thing. The clicky thing. It's called typing, my friend. <laughs> I'm looking for something. Ah, he's looking for something. Sailor, keep uh, talking. Keep yes. talking. Oh yeah, talk, 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 talk. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so quit, yes. quit being distracted by me. I'm sorry, I get distracted by everything. Squirrel. <laughs> um. So yes, uh, they are having panels over my adventures with Superman. Uh, another, and uh, get to the ones that most people want to listen to. Um uh, Cartoon Network's upcoming new show, Tiny Toons Luniversity, which is if you're a 90s kid like us and you watch Tiny Toons, the adventures of Tiny Toons, it's like, yes, let's have more because you know everybody needs Tiny Toons mm-hmm. in their lives because it's good. Uh so going forward, Warner Brothers Discovery Home Entertainment returns to San Diego Comic-Con 2023 with four panels showcasing uh, highly anticipated animated films. Uh, They're doing another uh, uh, the uh, Adventure Brothers movie, uh, Babylon Heart. Apparently, that is interesting. It's a Sailor Moon transformation <laughs> sequence. That is absolutely hysterical. Yeah, go put that on the Facebook page. That's actually kind of funny. I will later. All right, good deal. So, yes, uh, they are talking about uh, 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 the Venture Brothers, apparently a show on cartoon, on uh, whatever. I didn't ever watched it. Uh, Venture Brothers was pretty popular. Okay. Um Let's. What is the t- title? Is this uh, Babylon Heart? 
Oh, that's never mind. That's the full title of that. Uh, let's see, Justice League War World, which is the DC, another DC movie that's coming out, mm-hmm. and uh, Babylon Five: The Road Home. And for like you know, Babylon Five, the series that came out years ago, it's an animated series. They're doing an anime. either it's an animated movie or an animated series. I'm not sure in that, but um, when. Um, July 19th rolls around and they start dropping information about new series and new movies. They're coming out and more information. I will uh, do my best to post it to the Facebook group and all that for, we can get information out there for you guys to enjoy. So yeah, I'm looking forward to San Diego uh, to that uh, this year's San Diego comic-con to what's going to, what, what are they going to reveal for movie wise, anime TV series wise and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's all I have for the news. Unless you have anything else. Drew. I do not. So let's go ahead and jump into X-Men. Previously on X-Men. Sulky, overfunky, kind of hokey superhero, His amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Just to get this out of the way, because once again we are missing a certain character in this up ep- in these episodes. I am Magneto, master of magnet. <laughs> the fact he's not been in any season three is disappointing. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, it just is because he's freaking Magneto. Yeah, I agree. He's- the villain of X-Men. Yes. But anyway, X-Men first episode we're doing, reviewing tonight, Orphan's End, which originally aired on February 25th, 1995, directed by Larry Houston and written by Doug Booth. In this episode, Corsair is on the run from Shi'ar authorities who demand that Cyclops turn him over to them. Guest cast for this episode includes Jeffrey Aries as Corsair, and not Jonathan Frakes, who it should be. Leon Pownall as Ragnar, and Ron Rubin as Chode. Chode. It's the character's name. I know, it's Chode. I know that. 
Uh, in this episode, Storm debuts a new hairstyle. Yes. A ponytail. Yes. Which looks really good. But it was missing in the next episode. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What the world? Uh, and we get cameo by Deathbird. Mm-hmm. Sister of Deken and Lalandra is seen when Christopher and Catherine Ann Summers are abducted by the Shi'ar. Oh, okay. So that's all I got for this one. What do you, uh, what's your thoughts on this episode? This episode, I really enjoyed it because there again, they had been playing this up like a harp or a canary the last entire season. Or a death bird. Or a death bird. Perhaps a phoenix. A phoenix. A Mockingjay, whatever you want to call it. I was confused <laughs> when this episode started. Really? Okay. And I and the reason is it's been a couple episodes since Corsair's been on. Yeah. And apparently I forgot about what, what actually happened in Star Jam in the in the episode Star Jammer. Yeah. Because I'm watching this and going, watching the, the, the uh, last time on X-Men mm-hmm. segment, going don't remember any of this and i should yes you should i'm sitting there going is this the right episode did i get the order wrong right because 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 we even go with i can't tell scott who corsair really is i can't tell him he's his father and i'm going i don't remember you figuring that out gene gray that's weird because i do and i i'm telling you it's been a couple weeks yeah like a month? <laughs> yeah, it's been a month. It's been a month. Yeah. And I thought I was paying attention, but apparently not. Apparently I missed a lot or for, have forgotten a lot because yeah. it's like, I know this, some of this happened and I recognize it, but in my mind, a lot of this didn't stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's because Phoenix was a awkward five episode mini yeah. arc. Yes. If we're being honest. Um, but uh, crazy Charles, anybody? Yeah, crazy Charles, <laughs> or you know, the dark Charles with a cape. He's obviously he's a villain. He's got a cape, of course. It's the Mister Hyde complex. Yes, it is. But uh, the other thing is, I was watching this episode, and at the you know when they're trying to talk in code over the uh, oh, airwaves yeah. to tell Corsair and Lo- and uh, Logan. Uh, Scott, Scott? Uh, that you know, that you know, obviously the information them tell they're telling them is incorrect because they know people are listening and mm-hmm. this will tell you what happened, what you should be doing. It makes sense. We would not know Corsairs. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what them telling uh, Scott that uh, Xavier sends his regards is supposed to tell Scott because we've watched mm-hmm. every episode since episode 1. Yes. I have no idea what they're referring to. Do you? Uh no, not really. It's telling them something that's obviously like, yeah, you do this other thing, but it's like I don't know what it is. And the other thing is what really puts this after Dark Phoenix? Not really. Phoenix Jean Grey is not in this episode. Yeah. She's and, except in the the flashback sequence at the beginning, the last time on segment segment. Yeah, and she's running around in her first Phoenix outfit, not the Dark Phoenix outfit. Yeah, and she's should be back to normal, and she's not in either of these two episodes. No, she's not. So it's like 
there, this could have taken place in between Phoenix and Dark Phoenix for the little amount of difference it makes. Yeah. Except that we know that Lalandra is the empress of the Shi'ar Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, there is one thing that has to put it back there. I, I forgot because uh, not Jonathan Frakes uh, does comment on the X-Men fighting the Imperial Guard in the last episode. Yeah. There is that at least. Yeah. But other than that, this is like could have happened at any time. Agreed. And it was an okay story. I, I, kudos for them finally actually explaining the, the Scott Summers Corsair connection. Uh-huh. And I really liked how they went back and forth because Scott is always a boy scout. He's always going to be a boy scout and he's always a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, easily susceptible to lies. True. It's part one of his failings as a character. It's right. flaws. That's what flaws. I'm it's one of his yeah, flaws as a character. Flaw. So I appreciate they're still going through with that. Yeah. But this was kind of just a aliens are attacking. They're searching for these other characters and Scott's going to find out that not Jonathan Frakes is his father. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not even aliens. It's just like the, the, the sh- it's GR. They're aliens. GR. You know, it's the CR. The next episode has to deal with aliens, which is a whole oh, yeah, like, stupid ball game. We'll but, get to that, considering yeah. that's not who was supposed to be the queen. <laughs> but we'll get to that one here oh in a minute. God. Do you have anything on this episode? I kind of uh, yeah. talked a lot. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because there again, they do wrap up the whole thing. They've been talking ever since the Phoenix Saga. They finally come to that conclusion. And I, I, I love where, but like, obviously... Uh, Storm Aurora has the different her hairs on a ponytail. It makes her look different. It brings the different dynamics of the character. Then, and then the next up, it goes back to the same thing. It's like, yeah, what did someone not like her ponytail? But um, I will say, I loved in the opening scene when there when her uh, Scott and her are going to check the mm-hmm. the message that's coming in. They go, well, we know it's not an X Men. It's too early in the morning. morning. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe it's it Gambit like it's, who stayed out too late, <laughs> trying to charm you know charm the women like you know Gambit would. Yeah, but uh, I enjoyed this episode. The there again, Corsair comes back, the Star Jammers come back, and uh, you know it wraps kind of everything up in a nice little bow uh, because you find that the you know the oh, what was it the 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 count the counselor was in cahoots with people. He yeah. was the one behind everything. And you know, it's, it's a real assassination. And it's like, okay, this is an interesting little story. And there again... But like a lot of these, half an hour is not enough time to cover these no, stories. No, it's not. That's actually the biggest flaw of the I, series. I agree. Is they are having to wrap up nearly every episode in half an hour. Yeah. And, none of, the, and none, none of these stories are really able to be wrapped up well in half an hour. Agreed. Or 20 minutes. Yeah. So it's, it's a good episode. I, I wish there again they would take a little more time and actually flush the stories out. But you do get a, a satisfying conclusion to the episode, unlike in the next episode. Yeah, we got to talk about the next. Oh, episode. my gosh. So, so stupid. Love in vain. Originally aired February 10th, 1996. So it's a year later, a year later. This is another one of those where the air dates yeah. are out of order from when they're supposed to actually be seen. It's all wackadoo. Yeah. Uh, 
directed by Larry Houston and Fred Miller, mm. written by Martha Moran. In this episode, in the New Mexico desert, Wolverine witnesses the crash of a spaceship carrying horrific alien bug-like creatures. The colony. The colony. You know, get to my complaints here mm. in a second. Guest cast. Every new character in this episode, the actor is or actress is unknown. Really? Really? I looked. Every single one unknown. Nothing on Cody. Nothing on anybody else. Not even the queen of the obvious brood. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So let, let's let's hang jump. on, hang on, hang on. Okay. I got, okay. Let me go, go, ahead, myself. go ahead, go ahead. Trivia: This is the first appearance of the Colony, the animated series version of the Brood. Mm. In the comics, the Brood are a parasitic insectoid species with organic tentacles that lay eggs inside their victims to transform them into the Brood. Ew. For the series, they were changed to reptilians with metallic tentacles who infect their victims with some type of spore. This change was made to make them more distinctive and animator friendly. The comic version of the Brood were previously seen as generic alien soldiers in Mojo Vision 1994, and Professor Xavier used the illusion of a Brood Queen to frighten the soldiers attacking Iceman, Bobby Drake, in cold comfort. That's right. Although this episode aired during Season 4, it is intended to air during Season 3, right after Orphan's End. Mm. This is the first full appearance of Cody Robbins. In most adaptations of the X-Men, Cody is the boy Rogue Kiss when she first developed her powers, sending him into a decades-long coma. Mm -hmm. Cody was seen previously during flashbacks involving Rogue's backstory in The Cure and A Rogue's Tale. Mm -hmm. Last but not least, the colony arrive on Earth in an Akanti, a space-faring creature resembling a giant whale. Mm -hmm. No, it is not a whale. Yeah, it's definitely not a whale. This is the Jonah's big fish. Yes, agree. I'm sorry. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, what were you about to say about the colony? Okay, so the 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 colony. Oh my the god! The obvious aliens ripoff based yes. off another obvious aliens ripoff. Yes. Oh my word! This is like really. So we we get this random like oh we get an alien shows up. And like, oh, they have to inf- or plant plant their uh, spores to um, populate because they can't reproduce themselves. So they have to take other hosts. Which, okay, seen that. Move yeah, on. Seen it. Moved on. It sounds like a Star Trek movie. Star Trek episode with the Borg uh, and many other alien races in exactly. Star Trek. Exactly. But it's just like, okay, this is generic and boring. And then you get into Cody. Oh, poor Cody. Poor Cody. I hate this, Cody. Yeah, it's like he, he shows up out of nowhere and it's okay, what's going on? And it's like, wait a minute, because he even said it like Cody's been in a coma for a decade. And now he's awake. Now he's awake. And now owns a plane. Uh-huh. How? And how is he functioning? That's my question. And, and why is the person playing him sound like they have never seen a script before? Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. His his line his line reading sounds terrible. Yeah, it's oh my gosh, it's cringy. And and then you get the because there again, I had a friend who was in a coma for six months, six to nine months, and she was never the same afterwards. Ne- not be like it was a nine day who this be like same person, but just like it was different, like a different person in some ways. 
couldn't function properly, was having issues the entire time. And think, you know, she did pass away. It was sad, but she did pass away. But um, it's like Cody comes back perfectly normal. No problems whatsoever. I've been in a coma for a decade. Yeah, no problems. I'll just shrug it off. It's like, no, that's not the way this works. This is the way any of this works. But that was that was me in real life experiences. I was just like that doesn't really work. Be like if he was in a coma for a couple of like a couple of weeks, like maybe, but an entire decade? No, it, it's like uh, the movie from uh, uh, a time to. I think it's time to kill. I think with. Uh, uh, Either or, be like it's a character who falls into a coma for twenty years, and like he comes back and he, you know, finds the will to, you know, get back together, get, get himself together, and falls in love, and blah 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 blah. Revenges his wife, revenges his son, and be like, surprise, my son's alive. Surprise, I can still kick butt after twenty years being in a coma. It's like, no, you're gonna still be in a coma. You're you're gonna be in a bed for about a year and a half. <laughs> but anyways, it's just like the whole. Cody situation in this entire episode is so stupid. It's like, oh yeah, Rogue is like so wants someone to to be with her and able to touch and kiss and the whole bit. It's like it's understandable. Be like she has a power which will exhort people's energy and can kill them. But it's which is another thing. Another thing. Be like she. Be like she's so afraid to touch people. But in the first episode, she she gives. Uh, Scott, this big smacker on the on the lips, exorbs his power, and like the exact same time, like she kissed Cody, and Scott's fine, <laughs> which was kind of weird. I was like, wait a minute. So if it's a mutant, it just exorbs our powers, but if it's a normal normal Joe like you and me, oh no, you're gonna get put in a coma for a you know half a, a decade. Okay. okay, I have. Here's the thing. The X gene stuff, I think it does pull from that more. Mm-hmm. Humans, both normal and mm-hmm. abnormally powered, like Ro- uh, not Rogue, um, Ms. Marvel in this. Yeah, uh, you do. You, you, it doesn't pull from the X gene as much as it pulls from the rest of it because you don't. Yeah. The X gene has, I think, more power than the rest of it. This is yeah. theory. I don't know. Yeah, but. Mutants in general do seem more powerful than even the regular humans I, are. I agree for what they're able to do, despite the fact they have an extra ability here or there. But they all seem stronger. Yeah, able to actually do some fighting right as soon as the X gene kicks becomes in. active. It's a uh, I became a superhero. I know how to use my powers now. Well, not all of them. Do. I know. I know. Just but yeah, uh, this is a bad episode. It is a bad episode. This is a bad episode. I'm watching this and I fell asleep. Really? Watching this episode, really, I was halfway through it, and it's like, eh. <laughs> it's like I I had to go back and watch it, and I was only half watching it because I was like, uh, I have seen so many better alien invasion mm-hmm. movies, yeah, with this premise mm-hmm. of you get turned into the alien, uh huh. And Wolverine's healing factor can just change it. Yeah, but at the same time, he turned into the alien too. Yeah, and then he can and, he can will himself to change back. And I'm like, and then has Robe exorb his powers in order for she can change so, back. 
This is and so everybody dumb. else is touched by them. This and is, probably got spored. This but it's is so stupid. Yes. Let's never talk about this episode again. How about that? So send it here. Okay. We both hate this episode. It's not good. There's nothing more to talk about other than it's the end of season three on on a Disney Plus, which is like really, really like a bad a, episode to a go bad out. Episode on. end on Disney Plus. Come on, get that. Season three and season four at this point are so mixed together, mm-hmm. it's really hard to separate them. True. And season three is super long if you include actually all the episodes that aired during season three. Yeah. So, so anyways, we're going into season four. Four technically, except we're still dealing with season three episodes. But we'll get into that next week with 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 the juggernaut returns. Oh, okay. And a deal with the devil. Ah, I'm looking forward to the juggernaut returns because I think a certain cameo appears in it. Ah, a non-Marvel related cameo really hmm but we, you know what we forgot to do yes i was just we thinking... forgot to say what movie we're reviewing yes. next week what are movie we're reviewing <sighs> the boss baby and i picked it <laughs> <laughs> join us next week for that <laughs> i'm sure it's gonna be as a rip-roaring good time as this week was <laughs> uh you got anything to add before we get out of here? Oh my gosh. Just think we're going into season four of X-Men. Yes. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. Banana. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. Carelli Reiki Lebia 
Makale underwear la parque le gali de le ca la pale underwear. You know how hard that is to do with a straight face? I know, oh my gosh. <laughs> <That> was- <laughs>